The Open Pantry Podcast is a hospitality podcast where I interview people within the hospitality industry about both their lives in and outside the industry. Hey, I'm Sean DeVries and I'm your host. I hope you really enjoy these episodes. My podcast aims to show that the thing that links all people in hospitality is a want to be creative, support each other and always do better. I really hope you enjoy the episode, so make sure you subscribe and always leave me some feedback. Enjoy. Uh, welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Fantastic to have you listening or viewing. Um, uh, it's just fantastic uh, over the last couple of months, obviously, as COVID has taken over uh, around the world and, and uh, hospitality being one of the industries which um, has been hit the hardest to really gather a new collection of people who uh, I'm really fond of and listening to and, and, and really proud of how they're reacting uh, no more than this fantastic guest, uh, Joelle Petru. It is fantastic to have you all the way uh, from Ottawa in Canada, the founder and owner of Wolf Down. Uh, it's um, great to have you on. So thank you so much for being, uh, being part of the podcast. Oh, my, my pleasure. It's great to, to connect with the other side of the world. <laughs> I know. I remember when we, were, when we were texting last week, you said you were here um, in Melbourne uh, at the start of the year, I think, uh, mm. 2020. Um, and at that time, the bushfires were, um, were the major thing that was, that was happening, the major thing that people right. worried about. It's, it's still a major thing here at the moment. But now with, with COVID, it seems to have... Um, dulled in uh, somewhat of insignificance unfortunately so um we can't wait to have you back in melbourne by the way um can't wait uh, to be back (laughs) (laughs) so i mean over the last week as i've done more research about about wolf down and uh the fantastic restaurant that you have built uh it's it's just been so exciting to see such a brand which most people would uh segment into sort of um late night um, and kind of um, maybe not classy or, or not a fast casual brand to do something that, that looks uh, like such an exciting brand that you started. So do you want to talk about how you actually started out in hospitality? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of an unconventional story. Uh, my background is actually in tech startups, um, and I was just winding up my last company and kind of, you know, pop around looking for what's next, uh, mm-hmm. looking for a new challenge. Uh, and it just, I just kind of stumbled across this because my, my fiance is German. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one who introduced me to, to the German donor whenever we'd go back and visit his family. He was like, this is the best food. You got to try this. And it's the weird thing is, so like, I, I did realize that there is some in Melbourne, which I mm. thought was really cool and surprised me, but like, this does not exist in Canada. Oh, really? Um, oh which is mind boggling. So I go to Germany and be like, how do we not have this? Like, this is amazing. Yes. Um, and then we'd come back home and just be like, oh my God, I want donor. And it's just not here. So I'd, like we spent years just complaining about it. And mm. then um, finally all of a sudden I was like, you know what? No one's gonna do it. Why don't, I'm like, sounds like a fun project. Why don't I just try throwing up a restaurant? Um, mm. It was something that anytime we'd get together with his German friends, we'd kind of joke about it. Everybody likes someone, someone do it like the proverbial someone. Um, And I'm kind of a, just an entrepreneur at heart. So I was like, all right, cool. Like this sounds, this sounds like a fun, fun challenge. 
let's let's do it with like zero experience i never even worked in a restaurant i don't well, know i was just coming at it from the business side going like yeah yeah this this, this looks fun um and it has been fun also very steep learning curve but um i kind of i like that chaos so it's it's a good environment for me and we've mm. learned a lot by just throwing ourselves in the fire but um yeah and just so just like that we uh we're about a year old now and it's it's going i mean besides the covid thing it was yes. going great and, i mean we'll make we'll we'll battle through but mm. uh it's mm. been a really cool experience did you um did you find it hard for people to understand the kind of concept? Because obviously when, when you probably would have come to, to Melbourne, like in, in, in my sort of couple of decades in the career, like people are so confused with the, with the term Donna and kebab and then Sublaki and what the difference is and all that kind of stuff. Like, did you find older ones were just, were just confused at the start? Yeah, they're still confused. Um, <laughs> They don't really know what it is. They just know that they like it. Um, right. it's really, <laughs> That's cool. Mm. Um, the the irony is actually Ottawa, for some very strange unknown reason, is a massive shawarma town. Okay. Um, wow. So you get shawarma, you get the meat on the grill too. Mm -hmm. So they just see the meat on the grill and they're like, oh, it's shawarma. Like we have people coming in and ordering shawarma. And we're like, whatevs, like it's different, but it's hard to explain. So we're just like, mm. taste it. And then they taste it and they're like, what like this is so like a lot of them are like this is so much better than shawarma like where did this cut like the germans did this like <laughs> what and then there's a thing in canada from the the east coast called donair like n-a-i-r so then they're confused by that too so they're like oh it's donair and they're like the, the germans like make a twist on donair like no no i think the germans started this before halifax but um so yeah, people are super confused. Um, at the same time, it's familiar enough. And like gyros are huge here, euros yeah. or whatever you call them. Yeah. So it's all kind of like the same family of stuff. When, but because like the bread's different, the sauce is different, the, yeah. the vegetables are different. We just say like, just taste it. And you'll see that like, it's, it's its own thing. And that's what we just tell people, just, just try it. Fortunately, people were open-minded. Yeah. Um, our biggest challenge was actually the people that came in because we wrote Berlin street food on the window right. just to try to like get people intrigued. Yeah. Um, they come in, they're like, where's my curry worst? And we're like, wow. Yeah. Um, well, we're doing donor and they're like, well, we've never heard of donor. And I'm like, well, uh, it is the number one street food in Germany. I don't want to like, so it's yeah. really, really strange in North America from like a tourist perspective. Mm -hmm. what they know of germany is sausage they go germany yeah, sausage. of course yeah um, yeah so because they've never heard it they we've had people like being like telling us we're wrong and we're like <laughs> i think i know i spent a lot of Your time fiance is german isn't he fiance so german. yes this is like all our investors are german i think <laughs> they know what they're talking about mm. um, maybe go to germany um before you weigh in um but you know good times that's part of part of being a restaurant owner everybody's Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. You <laughs> how to do it and just go, okay, cool, whatever. Just eat this. Try it. Try this. <laughs> how and, did and you how did you develop how did you develop the menu at the start coming out of um, you know, not not coming from tech sort of startup land, yeah. not cooking that much at home and that kind of stuff. Was it was it really driven by fiance and the investors who were German to to figure out the menu or was it was it some other way that you sort of figured it out? 
Yeah. So, I mean, from there's a few things that come from the startup world, like that you see in the menu. One, it's super small, and like mm. that's by design. You like the like super streamlined. So it's like it's only donor, mm. and um, we don't do donor pizza. We don't do it on you know like all these different formats. It's sure. don't. That's it. Yes. Yes. Um, that that was by design. That was kind of my choice too. I'm also like a hyper minimalist by nature, but I also just like from a business optimization perspective it just makes sense to me to focus on like doing one thing really well mm. um also, like i don't know what i'm doing so i should just like focus on yeah focus on the thing. small stuff mm -hmm. um i did have a chef helping me out at first also um mm -hmm. that didn't end up working out in the long run but um i think the keys were so the meat we were able to find actually they're out of dallas of all places really? a, a drink Turkish family that made the like authentic meat. So we got the yes. meat from them okay. um, to start. And then we were finally able to find a Canadian supplier that could make it to like our specs because that's not, there's no donor industry in Canada. So there's no one that's like manufacturing mm. donor spits. Um, mm. Like in Germany, you could spin one up in a second because you could get the supplies from like anywhere. Yeah. We were, we were the first to do this. So it's like, okay, they don't even know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, mm. oh, the spices, they're like, shawarma, you want shawarma? And I'm like, no, no, it's slightly different. Um, then the bread, like no one's heard of Turkish pide here. And like, they kept just wanting to give really? us like, Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really, we're like, it's a revel revelation to us that there's this German food, um, <laughs> which is really cool for us. Cause we're like zero competition, mm. wide open market. Um, mm very strange that it just somehow create your own path in a way you know like if you can yeah. if you can market it like continue to market it exceptionally well like you've got you've got you've got your own I pathway could, <laughs> like from the response we got from auto people are going crazy for it like i don't see why this can't wouldn't be the next kind of big food category to explode in north america like i mean mm. recently what we had like burritos have exploded everybody's eating yeah. burritos now you know sushi poke balls like mm. what's next um, so that was that, so we had to like work with a bakery and like do so many tests of what to get what we wanted. And at first they were just yeah. making pitas, like typical yeah. pitas were like, no, no, this is more of like a flatbread thing with sesame on it. Mm. <laughs> Finally, I mean, they're awesome. So they, they figured it out. And actually I wouldn't say our bread like exactly like it is in Germany, but actually I think it's a lot of people said it's better like we've cool. we kind of created our perfect version custom mm. Mm -hmm. um and then the biggest thing was the sauces because it's all about the sauces um yeah. now the random thing there is that my favorite sauce i had tried was actually by a german guy who does um who runs a donor shop in los angeles wow uh, so we actually befriended him and kind of worked with him and got um you know bought some of the recipe off him and then tweaked from there and made it awesome. our own mm -hmm. so it was all about like finding all the pieces and just putting it together more than me being a creative chef <laughs> <laughs> was it did you guys have arguments about at the start about you wanting to keep it sort of this minimalist kind of one product um done really really well consistently against trying to make it more broad especially in a market a german market which I'd love to you to talk to where the sort of Ottawan market is um, food-wise and what and what Ottawans are normally eating, um, because it's it's with normal sort of startup venues a lot a lot of brands will just naturally go wide, 
mm-hmm. and then figure out what the comp- what people want and try and minimize the menu, which is really hard to do once yeah. people get a taste for different things. So was that, was that a challenge for you guys at the start to, for you to keep your ideals there and try to keep it minimalist? Um, I kind of, I'm pretty stubborn. So when I think <laughs> the right way to do things, yeah. um, mm. I actually, and I, I actually can't stand restaurants with massive menus. Like I've, I've always thought that easy, even as a consumer, I'm like, I like places that are specific. So that was mm. from the get go, I knew that like that was something I wanted to stand by and stand for. Mm-hmm. So I don't care how many people were coming in and asking for currywurst. I was like, or, you know, the best is the people that come in, they're like, I have an idea for you. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I haven't, why don't you open a currywurst shop? Like, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If it's so good. Yes. Whatever. I'm doing donor. You got the sausage. Like, go for it. And, and especially when they think, you know, well, why don't you just make some? Like, oh, yeah. I have a total, like a sausage maker and a grinder in the back. Like, no, we have vertical grills. Like, and this is what's, yeah. what's interesting. People just, they, and it's not their fault. They really just aren't realizing, like, you know, it's not just like click my fingers and then we have curry yeah. worse. Yes. You really have to put a lot of effort into this and it's enough work to make donor perfect yes. um, mm. without taking more on my plate. So that's kind of something that from the get go, I, I, I knew I would stand by. And mm-hmm. um, I, I actually think that there's a lot more people that come to us and they're like, oh, I love how simple this is. Like, I know, I know what I'm coming for. Mm-hmm. Then there are people that are saying like, Ooh, I wish you had more options. Um, right. That's cool. And at, at the end of the day too, I think from a branding perspective, like now everybody knows us for our sandwich. Like it's a distinct looking thing and everybody takes a picture of the exact same sandwich. So people mm. know what they're coming for. And that, yeah. that kind of helps, in my opinion, it helps it go viral. Cause it's like, this is the thing you're known for not like one of 10 things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You're actually, yeah. And, and that's how I think, like I've thought for a while that this is, this is where brands are going to have to move to, to be specialists in a certain product. So, um, because that in a sense is your marketing, as you just said, and your point of difference. So uh, I think you're definitely going down the correct path. Um, what's, what's the Ottawa scene like for a person who hasn't been to Ottawa like myself? Um, obviously it's, it's more on the East coast. So is it, has it got more of a French influence, um, over that side or, um, you won't see it much. We are right across. It is the government, like the capital. So it is mm. it's a government town. Mm. So you, you get that aspect. Um, we are right across the river from Quebec. So there is yep. a bit of French influence, but I would say that that predominantly stays in, in Quebec. on the Quebec side. <laughs> yeah. um, the scene's getting better, but we're not, it's not a town that you would say is known for a foodie town. Like it's, a, it's not mm. like Melbourne. It's, um, it's kind of a secondary town about, you know, just over a million people. Mm-hmm. People, when they think of Canada for food scenes, it's Montreal or Vancouver or Toronto. So yeah. we, know our, we know our place. Um, that said, it's, we're obviously trying to change that and push the envelope. And mm. um, there's a few like good concepts starting to pop up more and more. So yeah, we're getting there. Do you, do you kind of like it that it is a bit, it is not like you're not doing this in Toronto or you're not doing this in Vancouver, like that you do have probably a bit of space to make some noise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always like to go against the grain, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's also a, an awesome test market. So you can, 
mess around and fuck up here. No one, yeah, no one agreed. Mm. At the same time, it's also a really tough market. Like people are, are pretty fickle here. Um, they're not as exposed to all these different types of food. Um, so there's a kind of a saying that goes around that says like, if you can make it here, you'll be fine. Yeah. Elsewhere. Yeah. We also just don't have the population density. So that's trickier. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's a great like testing ground. That's cool. Really cool. Let's um let's talk about your writing because that's the way that I got to learn about um, you and um, what your brain's doing. Um, when I really when I read on Medium last week, your article, you know, titled "Why Restaurants Are So Fucked," like it was, it was so raw and it was just good that someone was being um, honest about where they were where they were sitting, where they thought you know the brain was sitting and um, the industry. Um, did you find that, what, how did that come about? Like, how did your writing start to come about? Because I think a lot of founders and owners, uh, are worried to do that from a personal brand kind of perspective and and that kind of stuff. Like what made you want to do that? Um, I think part, it's partly in my nature to just be like, fuck it. I have something to say and not really care. Um, also I was just, I've been, yeah, if you if you annoy me enough about something, I'm going to speak out. So like, I just felt like it's something that's so misunderstood. And we get so many customers that come in and just make like comments. And you, it's just it's so obvious that they're so misinformed or just yeah. just don't see the whole picture. So really, I just it came from a good place of just wanting to be like, just help you understand because I know you don't get it. And mm. also, maybe I was able to understand or to empathize a little better. because I was like, well, like I'm new to this. So actually about a year ago, I didn't know any of this shit either. So like, mm. here's what I've learned. Um, I've learned to be, to appreciate this, these things a bit better. So I just wanted to share that with the world. Um, and I really wrote it to get it, to get it off my chest. Um, and, and as a kind of answer to, to some of the comments that we get in, in the restaurant. And um, I, I, didn't expect it to take off as much as it did though. So that was, that was a really cool, cool thing to see it, how much it resonated with, with both sides of the equation. Like I mentioned, I got so much outreach both from restaurant owners saying like, thank you, thank you for saying it. Um, mm. And not just with consumers going like, oh my God, okay, we understand, we get it. We'll pay, like, we're happy to pay more. Like they're just being more understanding, which is really cool. Do you, um, do you think that, my struggle during this time is that consumers just weren't aware of yeah. how yeah. restaurants are, restaurants are mm-hmm. being charged by many different people, like um, uh, not just, you know, delivery companies or, or whatnot, but things like rents and things like the cost of goods and things mm-hmm. like wages and, and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, we, in Australia, we pay, um, if we're paying correctly, we pay very well. Uh, mm-hmm. for hospitality stuff and, and that kind of stuff. Do you think, did, were you surprised that consumers really didn't have an understanding and understanding that, you know, even delivery, you know, Uber's taking 30, 35% in some venues, like, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind boggling to me how little understanding there was of it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you got to go like, well, how would they know? Why would they know? If no one talks sure. about it, yeah, why would they know? Um, I only know because... I do my research and I'm, I love to learn and, and I'm new to this industry. So to me, I had to dig into all this and, and sure. mm-hmm. make sure I understood it. Mm. Uh, but even 
even now, like even with my Uber Eats post, I find like that was an answer to all these comments. There's all these articles being posted in the media right now that are like just like bashing all this third party delivery and the fees they take without ever looking at like, what's the other side of the story and like, how much yeah. does it actually cost to run delivery? Like, do you want to do it on your own? Do you know how yeah. much this costs? Yeah. And they're... So I was just really frustrated. I just like, it, to me, it was injustice. It's like these restaurant owners that didn't do their homework and now mm. they're complaining that they're losing money. And mm. it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like yeah. we, mm. from day one, we increased our prices on Uber Eats because I looked at the numbers, I was like, there's no way mm. I'm doing this without yes. increasing my prices because I would be bleeding money. Yes. Um, and at that point, it was still kind of a gray area whether a lot Uber Eats would allow you to do it or not. And I was just like, well, fuck it, I'm doing it. If they kick me off, then... <laughs> then I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but my, co my consumers are asking for it. Mm -hmm. So what have I got to lose? And I did, and it was always fine. And mm -hmm. now Uber Eats loves us because we're, we're one of their top sellers. Amazing. Um, and... The thing is, like, since this, this is not even a year ago, but like since then, Uber Eats has kind of come and relaxed on the whole, like, you're yeah. not allowed to charge more. Mm -hmm. But somehow most restaurants don't even know that. Like, people are still kind of be like, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, mm, yes, I am. Like, read the contract. I actually, 100%. like, that's why I put in my post quotes of Uber saying, you set the price. Yes. It's, it's up to you. So, like, it's not, mm. don't come crying to me if you're losing money. Mm. You have to adapt. Um, and I guess, yeah, <laughs> rent over. But I just um, don't like when people complain when they don't know where it's go like, they don't actually know um, what's going on. Have you found that, have you found that the, uh, like, I'm interested what, what your challenges have been coming into the industry with people who may have been in, in the industry for a lot longer than me who, who, who just are stuck and they want to complain. And at the moment we're seeing it at scale. Yeah. Complaining about everything that is wrong or everyone else that's hurting them and not taking full accountability for their own brands and their own jobs and their own employees and stuff. It, was that one of the biggest concerns coming into this industry that you were sort of hearing that before COVID? Like, or what were the challenges moving? You know, you coming in. Yeah. So coming in, I didn't realize actually how bad that would be. Like mm. I knew... I knew that there was an issue with the industry, just in that everybody says it like all the, the challenge with the industry is that so many restaurants are opened by chefs, not business owners. And so they don't 100%. Mm -hmm. really understand business. And I was like, all right, well, I know business, but not chefs. So like, mm, yeah, chef. it's, like, yeah, it's both ways. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll attack it from the other direction and, and I'll like, I'll keep the recipe stuff super simple. It's, it's all about, it's the process um, mm. and that I can get down. So. I just thought actually like maybe the, like, we'll see, maybe this gives me an edge that I'm going to approach it from the complete other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, I think it's irresponsible to open a business without understanding business. So like I did my homework to understand the food side of thing and, or I brought on team members that understood it and that have their food safety and this kind yep. of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so like I teamed up with these people. Um, so it's, it's been interesting because it's kind of split. So half, like I said, the, the industry veterans have been there forever. Half of them have been like super kind, like great mentoring me and helping mm. answer any questions about the food industry. Yep. And some of them actually, even after this post came to me and asking for advice, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about cool. that? So that really cool camaraderie of like, mm. they know, like, this is where 
this is the part I know. Mm -hmm. And then of course, there's the people who are just like angry at the world and don't, well, they don't want to change. And you're like, well, then I can't help you. Yeah. So yeah. The world changed. I'm sorry. That's just, that's just the way it goes. The way it is. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about how the world's changed for you and your brand in the last two months. Um, how, how has Donna like changed and evolved to meet, you know, the new expectation. And, and I know that I'm thinking that Canada isn't really in the same, it's nowhere near in the same boat as the U S is, um, in relation yeah. to as being as deep a crisis. Um, I think Canada and Australia are probably sharing probably some similarities, um, at the moment in some States in Australia, as we sort of take this, this midway through May, we'll start to allow 10 and 20 guests over the next couple of weeks being venues, which is another podcast if, if that's even viable. But, um, but how has it sort of changed the Ottawa scene the last couple of months? Yeah, so that's, well, it probably has been a couple of months that they shut down dine-in. And like I said, mm. there's, it looks like that will start to come back in the next few weeks. So I think mm. we're kind of in line in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, in Ottawa anyways, it, it, it stayed pretty subdued. Like we never had a big outbreak. Um, right. Toronto seems to be a bit worse. Yep. Um, so it is that kind of weird thing where it's like this silent, unknown, like invisible force that, yeah. that everybody's, you know. Um, in our case, we were already doing a lot of delivery. So shifting to just like we were doing probably 30 to 40% delivery before. So that just shifted yeah, right. to like wow. predominantly Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. Like we just went from doing, um, you know, 1K days on Uber to 2K days. Um, mm -hmm. So that that part wasn't challenging for us. Our biggest issue was actually the supply chain because we mm -hmm. wanted to stay open, but the bakery that makes our custom specialized bread made the call to close. So we're wow. like, oh, shit, now we don't yes. have bread. And yeah. sandwiches are like 80% of sales. It's not like it's just like one menu item gone. So that that is the downfall of this system. Yeah, um, right. But this is obviously a very um, unique situation. Um, so we wanted to stay open, but that forced our hand. Um, mm -hmm. Now what we decided to do kind of in the meantime was that well, we still have, we do salads and rice donor bowls. Mm -hmm. So like we'll do those, but like only we'll do Saturdays promoting this secondary item. I said, it's not fair to stay open when we don't have like people, people keep coming to us. Like you don't have your sandwiches. So like, we'll yeah. put it out there. We'll let like people know Saturdays only mm -hmm. we'll do our donor bowls. So you, at least you get a little bit of your fix. If you want to buy a salad and throw it in a bread, like go nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that was definitely the biggest issue now. Um, just as of this week, that bakery is starting to open back up. So Cool. Um, you know, you, you do what you can and that's, that's just that. What's that, what's that sort of taught you around, you know, things you can't fix? Like, you know, you can do everything you can to have your team right, your marketing right, um, making sure you've got your cost, in, uh, cost of goods right and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, one of your major suppliers decides they're going to change. Like, is that, is that, is that now you thinking... Um, you need to get another supplier, like I've because I've heard the supply chain problem from a lot of friends and colleagues in the industry the last month. So I'm just curious what your yeah. thoughts are. It certainly makes you like makes you think. Okay, like it would be good to have a backup plan, and and most mm -hmm. things you could, but this is just one of those things that's like 
we have a custom bread made by one specific bakery in town. It's not like a hamburger where we just go like, we'll just yeah. make another burger bun. Mm. Um, no, that's, that's the kind of pro and con of having a very unique product. Um, mm. And they make it just for us. Um, yeah. So no other bakeries in Ottawa even know what PETA is. So like, it is, it is what it is. And I think that, I think with enough years running your own business, um, you just get thicker skin. And I've learned, like, when I first started in business, I'd be like ripping my hair out and losing my mind and just being like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. Um, but you grow and you mature and you just go, it is what it is. So like, mm. what else can you do right now? And like, that's why I started writing. I've been meaning to write these blogs forever. So Okay, sit down. You've got the time right. Like, work with your team. Think about um, complementary products that we can do. Um, think about what's next for Wolf Danks. We were just about, we we're actually just at the point we we're about to sign a lease on our second location. Yeah, wow. Um, so, obviously, we put that on just on pause for now, but like, hey, now we have time to really <laughs> think about it and planning because we're mm-hmm. rushing into things. So, it's just okay. Use you know make the most of whatever it is so now we have time so what are we doing with that mm. what are, what's what i've talked um i've talked a lot with hospitality owners the last couple of months about their teams and mm. um i want to talk about yours like what what have been a couple of things that have come up the last couple of months about your team some realizations that you didn't you didn't know but you were really impressed with um really it's about the way they've stepped up and and been willing to like keep battling on with us. Um, so I've heard from a lot of actually colleagues in the industry that they like, they're struggling to get their team back to work. They're like, well, they don't want to work. Well, Partly because the government's subsidizing them to mm-hmm. stay home. Um, sure. But even from the get go, when we had the choice and I said, look guys, I'm not going to put anybody in a position where they're uncomfortable. Like if, if you're not comfortable coming to work, I'm not, mm-hmm. I won't judge. Like, you do you, it's everybody's choice. And like my whole leadership team, my key guys, everybody's like, we're there. Like, just let me know what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, and, and just the, then we, we've done some days where we like fed the healthcare workers and stuff and just, yeah. just seeing like the response from the people, like it's been so, that's been really heartwarming and actually just really bonded the team even more because we got to do that together. Mm. Um, and so it, in a weird sense, it's been like a really cool bonding opportunity and, and you kind of really see who's committed and yeah, it's who's, who's going to be there like through thick and thin and all my, my, my top uh, guys and girls were, were there and it's like, okay, that's really cool. These guys, you know, they're in it for the long run. Yeah. I think, um, I think in this case of adversity, advert, adversity, um, this time for you, like in your growth, in your growth cycle, it's actually in some way it's a blessing because you'll get to see who those five, six, seven people are who want to stay with you for the next five years as you grow the brand. Um, and they'll become pillars of your brand. Like it's, um, it's actually pretty exciting on that side of it, you know? Absolutely. Mm. So how do you, how do you, how are you guys thinking about opening back up now with, um, obviously just what we talked about there and maybe a staged approach, um, in Canada as well. Like, how are you thinking about that with your team and going about that? Um, so we'll continue to just do like takeout and delivery. We just want to ramp it back up. Um, mm. but all that for us is just depend on the, the bakery partner. Sure. So, um, we're ready to go. 
and mm-hmm. we know like we're just it's kind of just stay the course we weren't doing we were predominantly takeout as well so yes. if people the odd people that want to dine in well they'll do that when they can otherwise um it doesn't change that much in in our case um mm-hmm. Yeah, we have more customers now who know that they can order online. So whether they'll keep using that versus like ordering in store is, is to be seen. Yes. Um, but we can we can kind of handle any of those channels and we mm-hmm. already did. So it's just a question of like what percentage is coming from where. So at the end of the day, we do our thing and um, we just need to make sure the supply keeps is like going to be steady. That's yeah. my, my biggest concern. Those are the things we can't control. So. Yeah, especially as you you know grow to multiple units of um, uh, of the brand, like it's going to be incredibly important. Um, with that, what do you what are you thinking of like growth strategy wise now? Like uh, you obviously said you're about selling your lease on your second store. Like was that going to be a, a bigger store because you obviously you've got a product which is probably more uh, fast casual than fast food. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though you do have a lot of takeout, like uh, are you looking for bigger footprints? Like what are you what are you thinking now? Oh yeah. Well, this is going to sound very random. Um, very unconventional. Again, our second location was going to be, uh, or is still likely going to be in Vegas. Um, wow. Cool. So we got like, you know, Canada, East coast, or like thinking U S West coast. Is yes. a great idea, um, that we can conquer on both sides. Um, but no, um, in all seriousness, um, there is, a semi-rational reason behind that which is that actually we're my fiance and I are also poker players um we spend second Vegas is like our second home so like when you think of like where do you spend your time what cities do you know best Mm. Vegas makes sense also half our investors are German high stakes poker pros and they spend a lot of time in Vegas so like (laughs) we want it in Vegas so and we know people in Vegas so it's kind of we're like, let's go there next. Um, so yeah, again, it's that's obviously not a strategy we could recommend for anybody. It's very specific to just you know our our the wants and needs and network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Are, are you thinking from a strategy point of view? That's obviously a smart play as well. Like depending what casino or or how are you going to function where the brand is going to be. Like yeah, you know everyone comes to Vegas, right? Like it's it's like being in an airport. So is it? Is it um, is there a strategy piece there to try and grow the brand um, and get more people interested in it from different parts of the world and country? For sure, yeah, exactly. It's not just all; it's partly selfishly driven from like <laughs> yes. what we want, but it's also very strategic. Um, there's a lot of benefits there. One from a network perspective, like in terms of raising awareness, we know we can get the word out there. We have enough influencers in Vegas that will talk about us. So it's Amazing. it's the one city that we have ins with. Mm. Um, it's also um like I said, most brands like reverse engine like they build a brand and then they go to vegas and yes. you kind of touched on it exactly we we're thinking we can like flip that and actually build the brand in vegas and then like you say everybody will have been exposed to it because everybody goes to vegas so then if we want to open one in la or new york or chicago or whatnot they're like oh i've seen this brand before yeah it just um, makes sense mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well done i think that's a great move um Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Um, I know you'd be um, incredibly busy at the moment. Um, so I appreciate it, uh, especially the hour that it would be where you are. So I know you like to work at nighttime, but even still. Yeah, this works for me. I'm a, I'm a night. <laughs>
<laughs> um, what's the best way that people can find out about Wolfdown? Um, so our Instagram is where we actually probably are the most active at wolf.down. Um, that's, that's where I'd recommend. And then from there, we have a website with contact form. Um, you can always reach me, just Joe, J-O at Wolfdown. If anybody has questions, comments, thoughts, or just wants to brainstorm, um, go for it. Don't be shy. But uh, yeah, thank you for, for having me on. Um, really cool to con connect a little bit with Melbourne again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go back. Um, hopefully, when it's not hazy, I, I hope that you guys can get that. You know, I no, didn't we're know good, we're good on, now. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was a big confusion. It was actually, um, it was actually going to stop the tennis at one point. So, um, right. We woke up that one morning and it was like dirt rain. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, I'd never seen it. We went from like, like t terrible air quality. Don't go outside to hail that one day to like, <laughs> dirt rain. I was just like Australia is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I, I still Before love it. It's the four seasons in one day, as most Melbourne people say. So it's uh, yeah. But if I hey, if, if despite that, I still like had the best time. That says something. We can't wait to have you back and uh, maybe even open a store down here in the future. So thanks, Joe. I really yeah. appreciate your time. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. As always, please look in the bio of this podcast and always send me a voicemail message. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or just follow us on Instagram under Open Pantry Consulting. Until next time, stay well.